You can finish it if you know it. You can, you can just keep going. But, oh, there you go. All right, here's the deal. Only some of you know it, and the reality is only the fake fans know the first bit of the clap. All right, that's just the problem. But we are continuing in our Friends series this week where the past few weeks we've been looking at Scripture and looking at friendships that we see throughout it and how they can apply to our lives. We're taking biblical principles, we're taking biblical stories and applying them to where we're at. And this morning I love where uh, the story is taking us because we're in a passage that I think we often overlook. We're in a passage that sometimes we flip right over because it's only four chapters, okay? Most Old Testament chapters are really, really long, okay? The story we're going to be in today is short, but there is a ton of impact and there's a ton of truth that we're going to be able to take out of it. So we're going to be in the book of Ruth today. If you don't know anything about the book of Ruth, it's a really interesting story. Um, Ruth isn't at first the main portion of the story. The story actually begins by talking a lot about this woman named Naomi and her family. They leave and they go to a, the land of Moab. They completely uh, leave their home. And when they get there, they run into a lot of problems. Naomi's husband dies and then she has two sons. One of the sons marries Ruth, but both of her sons end up dying. So bad things happen uh, to Naomi and her family when they get to the land of Moab, which is not a good place, all right? The Bible teaches us this is a place that you would not have wanted to be, and yet that's where she is. And where we're going to be today, we're looking at she realizes it is time to go home. She doesn't need to be there anymore. She's going to go back to Bethlehem. And uh, she's not going to go alone, though. She showed up with a family. Now she's a widow without her children, but she's not going to go home alone. Check this out. Ruth 1, verse 6. It says this. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go return, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant, the Lord grant that uh, you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Okay, so this is what Naomi's saying to Ruth and Orpha, who's the other daughter-in-law. Hey, I really appreciate that you want to go with me, but you need to stay here. You need to return to your families. You need to return back home. You don't need to go where I'm going. She's returning. Naomi's returning to her home, but Orpha and Ruth, man, Moab is home to them. And they've decided that they're going to leave with Naomi, they're going to be with her, and she says, you just need to stay here. So it's pretty cordial at this point. But then verse 10 says this, and they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters, why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in the womb that 
They may become your husbands. Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should, ha- if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And this is where we learn so much about Ruth. And this is where we're really going to dig in for the morning. Verse 16 says this. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. Verse 18 says this, And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. The beginning of this story is really tragic. I mean, it's a sad story. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of heartache. And we see Naomi in just a a sad state, if we're being honest. She's in a bad place. And she's got two ladies between Orpha and Ruth that want to follow her. They want to be with her. This is their family now. And she doesn't want any part of it. Orpha finally returns home. And Ruth says, look, I'm not going anywhere. Naomi didn't realize it in the moment, but she needed Ruth, and Ruth needed Naomi. This was a friendship that they didn't necessarily imagine that they would have. They didn't think that they were going to need, but man, God had placed them in each other's life for a bigger reason they could have ever imagined. Here's what we're going to talk about today. This entire series, we've lived by the statement, if I want to find these people, I have to become this kind of person. We're flipping the lens on that a little bit this week, and we're looking at this of, okay, I've got to be this kind of person. And then I will find these kinds of people. We're going to look at it of, this is what we have to do during a time like this. Because sadly, guys, man, we live in a sad world and we live in a dark place. And we live in a place where things don't always go our way. And there's going to be a lot of questions. There's going to be a lot of wondering. There's going to be a lot of things that we're not always going to have the answers to on this side of heaven. And you've probably been in this situation before. But if you haven't, I'm afraid to tell you that at some point you're going to have to walk through this and have conversations like this. So here's what we're going to look at today. How do we love somebody who's hurting? How do we love somebody who's grieving? I've been doing this job for about a year and a half. It's almost two years now. And in those two years, I have seen so many high schoolers go through some things that no high schooler should ever have to walk through. They're dealing with circumstances and situations that, man, nobody deserves to, yet alone a 16-year-old kid 
And as much as it breaks my heart, I realize that, man, that's, that's what's happening. And sadly, it can happen again. And the number one question I always get asked when somebody's going through a difficult spot or a difficult situation, I always have a student or students that come to me and go, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. I want to do something. I want to be there for them. I want to show them that I care, but I don't know how to do that. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be there for somebody. Because there's a difference between saying that you care and showing that you care. A lot of people can say that they care, especially when times are bad. And that's awesome. And there's nothing wrong with that. But showing that you care takes a a totally different level of commitment and realization of where your heart is and where it needs to be. And so, yes, we are going to look at the story of Ruth this morning, but we're also going to be thinking back to a story that's going to happen a few hundred years from this moment. Because here's the beautiful thing. Even God redeems dark times, and Ruth is going to play a critical part just in the lineage of history, okay? Her grandson's going to go on to be King David. King David's going to be in the lineage of Jesus. And Jesus had a situation in his life where he had some friends go through a really hard time, and he lost one of his friends. We're going to look at all of that today. So I want to dive right in. So how do we love somebody who's hurting? Here's our first thought, guys, on what we can do. We don't hide from someone's pain. And a lot of times, I don't think this is what we even mean to do. I don't think we even mean to go, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to be a part of that. I don't know if I can help. But we get so worried that we're going to say something that's wrong or we're going to do something that's bad or we're going to make this huge mistake that instead of being there for somebody, we just hide from it altogether. I think it's so interesting that where we started in the book of Ruth, in in verse 6, it says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return. Listen, they've all been through a really hard time. It's been a really hard season in their family. A lot has gone wrong. Everybody has died. And yet, as easy as it would have been for them to go, you know what, man, Naomi, I'm really sorry. I, I'm just, I'm going to go though. They didn't, and they stuck in there with her. You know, if we think back to the story of Jesus and Lazarus, Lazarus' sisters had sent word to Jesus that he was sick, hadn't they? They had sent word that, hey, you need to get here because Our brother Lazarus is sick. Now, if you know somebody that can heal somebody you love, you're going to go to them. Well, these ladies think that they have completely nailed it because they've got Jesus as their friend, right? That is the perfect person to call if if something's going wrong, is it not? Okay, Lazarus is sick. We're not going to freak out, though. We might not even have to call like an actual doctor. We've got Jesus. Jesus 
literally heals people. So we're going to be good. So they send word to Jesus that their brother's sick. But by the time Jesus arrives, Lazarus has already passed. And these sisters are angry at Jesus. I mean, they're frustrated and they're mad. Jesus knew that he was late. He knew that Lazarus had already passed. And he showed up anyways. He wasn't going to hide from their pain and their frustration and the anger they had in that moment. He showed up and he was there. Guys, this is a really hard thing to do, and it's a really hard place to start. Because as much as we want to say that, yeah, you know what, I will be there 100%, and I will always be there, and I'm not going anywhere. Sometimes a situation or a circumstance happens that we're not even prepared to help somebody. Like, we, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to grieve with them or or comfort them, so we just don't do anything a lot of the times. And yet what we can learn is that by being there, you're doing a whole lot. Because while you might have the opportunity to hide from someone else's pain, they can't hide from it. It's not going anywhere. Now, it might be different depending on the circumstance. We've all had like nicks and bruises and cuts, right? You've cut, I've got a cut on my finger right now. Now, on the surface, they all kind of look the same, don't they? When you have like a cut, they all look like you've got a gash in your finger and it bleeds for a little bit at the beginning. And then you've just kind of got a hole of skin that's missing, right? So while they look the same on the surface, they heal at different speeds because a lot of times some cuts go so much deeper than one that's just on the surface. And our pain kind of works in the same way of, man, we think that we know and so they're going to be over it in a little bit. It's going to be fine. But that cut runs deep. And there's a pain inside of them that, we, we didn't know about. And we're not going to know about it if we're hiding from it. So that leads us to the thought of, okay, I'm going to say that I can be there. But then what do I do once I'm there? This is everybody's biggest fear. Is what do I do once I'm there? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Leads us to our next thought. Just know that your presence is always greater than the conversation. Your presence will always be greater than the conversation. I don't know if you've ever been the one that's in the boat of hurt. We don't always remember the things that people will say to us. We don't. When you're in that state of mind, you don't remember the words that come out of people's mouths, but you always remember who was there. You never forget it. There's a, 
old saying that says, it's really hard to remember who's at a wedding, right? And wedding is typically the happiest day of somebody's life. We don't always remember who's at a wedding, but you never forget who's at a funeral. There's something about knowing that somebody's there for you in those dark times that provides this unbelievable comfort. And guys, it's okay to just be there. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to come up with this big elaborate speech like they have in movies where you're like, oh man, that's going to be what fixes the problem. It's not going to fix the problem. But by being there and being present in the moment, it'll be greater than anything that you can say otherwise. Look at the story of Ruth. Orpha decides that she's going to go home. And in verse 10, she said, No, I will return with you to your people. I'm not leaving you in this moment. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to walk away from what you're walking through right now. you got to understand, how far of a trip is that? Where you're walking from Moab back to Judah. That is days and days and days and days of walking. I'm just going to tell you right now. Ruth probably did not have enough to say in that time that she was going to make Naomi feel better by the time they got back. I don't know if you've ever been on a really long car ride with somebody and God forbid like the radio doesn't work or nobody has headphones and you're just kind of sitting there and it feels like time stands still and it's like, I really don't know what we're going to talk about right now. Like I, I'm out of words. How was your day? You asked me that already. I'm sorry, right? You just, you don't know. She was there. She didn't leave. She was present in the moment. And her presence was greater than anything that she was going to say. Now Ruth does give a little bit of a speech there at the end. And I love what scripture says in verse 18. It says, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. And they went. And they began walking through the next steps of this journey together. You know, the story of Jesus and Lazarus kind of lines up similar, similarly as well. Jesus arrives, the sisters are angry with him, they're frustrated. And before Jesus goes to see Lazarus, there's this really, really short passage of Scripture. In fact, it's the shortest verse in all of the Bible, and it says this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, Jesus probably had a whole lot on his mind. He had a lot of things that he could be doing. He had a lot of people he could be seeing. And in that moment, 
He was grieving the loss of his friend and he was present in the moment. He wasn't thinking about what else he had that day. He knew that he had the ability to raise Lazarus from the dead. In the moment, which is where he was, he was weeping over the loss of his friend. Guys, it can be really easy, especially in moments like this, to want to think about ourselves, to think about what we've got going on, to think about the sacrifice that we're having to make. We've got to come into moments like this with selfless hearts. We've got to come into times like this Not with an agenda, not with a calendar of things that we've got to figure out at some point, but we've got to show up just willing to be there. Saying that you're sorry and that you're there for them can sometimes be the greatest thing that you could say. And then showing that you're sorry and that you're there for him is the greatest thing that you can do. So don't worry about what you're going to say. Allow your presence of not only physically being there, but emotionally and mentally being there with him as well. That'll speak louder than any words that you've got. The last thing that we can do, and it, again, requires that sacrifice on our end, but we can pray and we can remind. We can pray and we can remind. This is just a life PSA, guys. This is just a thing that you can take away. You realize there is never a bad time to pray for somebody. There's never a bad moment to go, you know what? Man, Lord, I just pray that you'd be there with them. If God lays somebody or something on your heart, just go ahead and pray about it. Because there's a reason that it's there. And a lot of times, praying is one of the only things that we can do for somebody. Because we don't have the words to fix it. We don't have the physical ability to fix it but we can take it to the one who can provide comfort and peace and healing. We take it out of our hands and lay it at his feet. So know that there's never a wrong time to pray for somebody, especially in a moment like this. But then that remind peace is really critical as well, and it's really important. Because there's sometimes we just need to be reminded of truth. And we need to be reminded of what is true, and what stays true, and what isn't going to change. Because things in this world are going to change. I could walk out of here today, and my life be completely different. Something could happen and my life could change forever. I hope that it doesn't, right? 
I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing right now. It's, it's cool. But it could. And that's sadly how life works. But God's word and the love of Jesus and what Jesus came here and did, that doesn't change. And while we can say that in a really good time, Sometimes it can be hard to remember that in a really difficult time. In the darkness, it's really easy to forget what we know to be true in the light. You you forget. Because life happens, circumstances happen, difficult moments, difficult situations, and all of a sudden, what we know is true Now in the darkness, it can get a little foggy. I don't know if you've ever been um, like on a school field trip or uh, I can't imagine anybody would do this on vacation, but sometimes you've got outdoorsy families and you do stuff on vacation. Our family on vacation, you just sit around. But anyways, so I remember one time we were on a field trip. I was in elementary school and we went up to Ruby Falls in like, that Chattanooga area. Anybody else have to go on a field trip to Ruby Falls? All right, you all get suckered into it as well. And so um, we went, and I remember, like, even as a child, even as a child, like, I remember thinking, yeah, I really don't want to go down into anything. Like, I would really prefer to stay above ground and to, like, see light and to see, like, help. And if I'm going to get hurt, I want somebody able to hear me. Like, if I'm screaming, help, I'm not going to make it. I want somebody to hear me. If I go down in that cave, they're not going to hear me, and I'm not going to see any light, right? But, you know, you've paid whatever, and I had my, like, rock candy, and so I'm just kind of walking down. That stuff was disgusting and straight sugar, but whatever. So I'm going with our class, and you go into those caves, and it gets dark and narrow really fast, and I'm sure we didn't go that deep. I mean, it's a 25, 10-year-olds. Like, I can't imagine they're taking us to the depths of the earth, but it sure felt like it, right? And you get in there, and it's pitch black, it's dark, and they've got the falls, and I guess it's supposed to be cool. I was still freaking out. And so I remember thinking, like, are we ever going to get out of here? Like, am I ever going to make it back out of this place? Even though 15 minutes ago, We were in the light, standing in the rock candy capital of the world, like next to the store, and everything was fine. And yet, now I'm in the darkness, now I'm below ground, and I'm wondering, am I ever going to get back out of here? Am I ever going to make it? And that's what happens a lot of the times when we're going through a difficult time and we're grieving. We know what was true, but now the circumstances have changed. And now I'm here in this narrow, dark cave, and I'm wondering if I'm ever going to make it back out. Here's the beautiful thing. When we went in that cave, our little Vaughn Elementary group, they didn't send us in there alone. They didn't send 
25, 10-year-olds in there by themselves and go, have a great time, right? That would have been a terrible idea. They send you in there with a guide, right? They send you in there with somebody who knows how to get back out. Or else there would just be kids walking down there forever, just chewing on rock candy, trying to stay alive. They'd be down there forever. But they send you with somebody who knows how to get back out. Now their job is to help lead you back to the light, to lead you back to safety, to encourage you that you're going to make it to get back there. Guys, it's terrifying to be in a dark, narrow, damp cave by ourselves. And it's just as hard when people are around. But let me tell you, there is encouragement and there's hope when you've got somebody who's reminding you about how to get back to the light and how you're going to make it and you're going to be okay. And then just keep walking and keep trusting and you'll get there. It doesn't change the pain. It doesn't change the hurt. It doesn't change the circumstance. But it helps to remind us of what we know to be true. I'm going to invite the band back up. They're going to lead us in one last song. And guys, maybe you've been in situations like this before. Maybe you've had moments where you were the person that was hurting and you're thinking back about how somebody was there for you or maybe they weren't and you wish they had been. Guys, my prayer is that when times like this happen, you dig in and the roots grow deep with those people. That you're willing to be there for them no matter what. You're going to set your agenda aside and you're going to be there for them because here's the beautiful thing. When you're willing to do that for somebody, one day when you're in that chair and you're the one that's hurting, you'll be amazed at who surrounds you. Because we look like the people we're around. We act like the people that we want to surround ourselves with. And while I hope you're never in that spot, I pray that if you are, You've got people like this, that your people like this, and you dig in next to them. We're meant, we weren't meant to do life alone, guys. We weren't. God's placed you in certain people's lives for a reason that might be bigger than anything you could ever imagine. Never underestimate friendships, under, never undervalue presence and never lose hope in what you know to be true. We saw it with Ruth and Naomi. We saw it with Jesus and Lazarus and his family. And I pray that that's who we are as a team and as a church. That we would take this same and the same thought process, we take it to our schools and to our communities where there's a lot of people who feel like they're wandering around in caves right now. Just trying
trying to figure out how they're going to make it back to the light. May you be the encouragement that they need. Would you pray with me? Father, while I pray that nobody in this room has to go through a moment like this, God, I would be silly to think that we don't live in a world where this happens, where there's hurt and where there's pain, where there's grief and sorrow. Father, I just pray that you would be in the midst of every bit of it. God, that we wouldn't feel like we're the ones that have to fix the problem. God, we wouldn't feel like we're the ones who have to have the perfect thing to say and that we've got to make it go away. But God, I pray that we would be there and we would take all of those things and lay them at your feet and that they would rest there and that we would just be that encouragement to make our way back to the light. To find that hope, to hold on to it. Because the darkness, man, it can take over quickly. But at the end of the day, light's always gonna win always going to shine brighter. Father, I pray that our light shines bright not only in a dark world, but when people are in a dark time, God, that we would help point them back to that truth and that hope. Remind us that we don't have to have the perfect words and the, and the perfect thing to say, but God, we just need to be there. Father, I pray that we're able to take these things that we talk about and we apply them to our lives and we apply them to our friendships and it becomes a part of our DNA. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray.